Hey guys, I'm Alan Beek and welcome to Barber Soup, my unedited and unscripted Thinking Out Loud podcast. I'm going to be sharing my personal experiences and discussing topics related to the hair industry and my journey so far. So sit back, relax, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, so first and foremost, I wanted to say thank you for tuning in. This is a podcast that I've wanted to do for quite some time now, always on the move, always in the shop or traveling. I've always had this internal dialogue that kind of eats away at me. So this vocalization of my thoughts is possibly the the best thing I can do at the moment just to help me kind of get through day to day and and help myself and other people progress, hopefully. So I'm going to start with the name. I came up with Barber Soup because it's a, a mixture and amalgamation of lots of different things, which will hopefully be blended together to make something that's nice to ingest. Uh, I'm going to start again with my full background, my full history. And then we're going to move on to other subjects, which I'm hoping that the listeners or anyone that follows me on Instagram are going to help me out with. So I have a number of topics that I want to cover. We can then elaborate on those and delve into different subjects. So I'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning. I'm eight years old. I'm going to a barber shop, and I absolutely love it. I like the atmosphere. I like the smell. I like the sound. And most importantly, I like the way it makes me feel. It was the way that it made me feel that got me inter- interested in cutting hair in the first place. When you listen to other podcasts and you listen to other barbers, it's usually the creative and artistic side. But with me, it was more the feeling. It was more how I felt when I left the barber shop, And I wanted to be the person responsible for that. And that's what gave me that first inkling that I wanted to cut hair. So I started working in the barber shop when I was 12 years old and I was the junior. I was the lowest in the pecking order, the bottom of the hierarchy, and I'm sweeping floors, mopping floors, washing hair, making teas, coffee. My job is to basically make sure that the people who are cutting hair are constantly behind that chair. That's where they stay. That's where the money's made. So progressively through the years, uh, I was becoming a lot more and more interested. And my job roles and responsibilities increased. So when you have more of a responsibility, it kind of brings more value to something. So I valued the job a lot more. I wanted to be there more often. Obviously, I was if I worked a little bit more, I got a little bit more money, which when you're 13, 14, 15, an extra fiver is absolutely monumental back then, which was quite a long time now, 34. So 12 to 24, 22 years of working in the hair industry. So the shop that I worked in at the time was quite a up and coming place. It was separated from all the other barbers in the area and they didn't even call themselves a barbers. They called themselves a men's hairdressers. And they were completely different. They were what we are today. So they were the hybrid of barbers slash hairdressers. They both started in hairdressing and then moved over and transitioned into barbering. So they had a lot more extensive uh, techniques with uh, sectioning scissor work and they were providing amazing clipper work with amazing scissor work and they learned from a traditional Italian barber so their skill set was still very very traditional and I'm going to go through kind of my foundation of, of traditional Italian barbering in my next podcast and 
for the meantime, we're just going to continue through the timeline. So I'd worked in the barbershop all the way up until I was 19 and decided that I was grown. I was old enough now to get a proper job and I went to manage a restaurant, worked in a bar and just everything that comes with working in a bar and restaurant, working 80, 90 hours a week, I was living above the restaurant. You're a full blown alcoholic, you're completely unsociable and it was just kind of getting me down. And I went from the bar into the kitchen, became a chef and the exact same lifestyle just pursued to bring me down all the time. I found that I was getting depressed. I found that I wasn't reaching any potential and I just didn't see any future in it. One of the uh, people who was working at Stephen Kane, which was my first barbershop, was leaving to move to Australia. Uh, Julie, she was, uh, again, she'd started off in ladies hairdressing and then transitioned over to barbering. And she was moving to Australia and the guys needed someone to come in there full time. So what they asked was, leave the job that you're at now and come back and don't just train to be a barber, but go head over heels into it. Backflip it all the way around the shop, come in and let's train you up and you'll be on the shop floor earning decent money in no time. So I did. I left my chefing job and I went to college and I went straight into the shop and I did my very first haircut on that first day and it wasn't very, very good at all. In fact, I think I went to do a section with my scissors open and pulled quite a lot of my boss's hair out at the time, which was absolutely hilarious when I look back at it now. But I went straight into college and uh, although my opinion on colleges have changed over the years, back then it was, a, it was good because you got a qualification and you got that initial experience of, of cutting hair. You had lots and lots of willing people to come in for you to cut the hair because it was only 50p a haircut and they were tight bastards. But still, they got a haircut and uh, we got to learn and we got the experience. We got the people to actually practice on, which is the most key aspect of learning in our, in our trade. So I was at the college for a, a matter of months and doing a lot of self-teaching and I was really, really embracing that traditional Italian barbering way of cutting hair. I found that the discipline that it takes to cut hair that way, watching the guys, Stephen and Jason, who I used to work for, it was so mesmerizing and pleasing to watch. It was, it was amazing to see just how funicular sections were and how clean sections were and they were actually styling hair rather than just throwing product in at the end. They were actually drying their clients off. They were actually washing hair. Like I said before, they were, they were definitely the progressive shop in our area. So uh, I stayed at college and I finished my MBQ level two. Halfway through my MBQ level two, I was actually che teaching my own class. I then did my MBQ level three just to make sure that I could continue on to do my teaching course. There was a a college professor that came into my um, psychology class when I was doing my A-levels. And I say like I went to college and did A-levels like, oh, I stayed on and did A-levels. I didn't, I was there, I was present, but not actually present. I didn't really, I wasn't really bothered about my A-levels. I just wanted to dick around for an extra two years. I completely wasted that time. I always wonder where I would be right now if I'd just left school and gone straight into hairdressing, which I was advised to do and asked to do but I said no it's all right I want to go to college and live a little and yeah I was just a wasted two years but anyway I 
continued to do my assessor awards in college and became a tutor and I, I really really enjoyed it it was difficult and it was stressful but I enjoyed it I was constantly working in the barbershop whilst also teaching at college which was tough but I think I have that kind of personality where I need to be under stress I need to be under pressure I kind of thrive and use it as fuel and if I'm not I feel like it depresses me and brings me down and, and kind of brings me like a little bit of anxiety if I'm if I'm not under pressure so when people say oh you, you're so busy and I'm like yeah but I know I, I like it though don't it's not a negative it's a positive for me I like I enjoy that that pressure I enjoy that immense stress to to deal with I kind of cope with it well and get fulfillment from actually coping with it so I had two classes at the time I was working 50 hours a week in the shop and something had to give and I just didn't like the way that the standards were going at the college I was into my third year teaching two classes and the standards dropped and I was being asked to pass students when they weren't fulfilling the units that they should have done and for me this just didn't work so it was time for me to leave and focus more on my actual hairdressing and cutting so uh, I decided to go freelance so I started teaching a couple of students freelance and I just really really enjoyed it that one-to-one -one time that face-to-face -face interaction that was a completely whole new experience for me and I enjoyed it that much that I just continued to do it and continued to progress through it uh, I then did a couple of workshops for group sessions which were horrifying at first it's like everything, you do get used to it. I remember the first couple of times of doing a group, group sessions and my hands shaking and not being able to get my words out and just being so nervous that I couldn't actually say the words that were in my head. But it only took a couple of months or, or like, you know, maybe a year to, to come over those nerves, nerves and use that nervous anxiety as to kind of excitement to get my point across and to get like really good inclusion and interaction with the people that I was teaching. So I'm freelancing at the time and then I worked with a very well, a very, very well known and, and really, really well respected and a beautiful person, uh, Jamila Paul. He was a ladies hairdresser and it was at that time then I decided to start studying a bit of ladies hairdressing and I knew that it was going to complement my barbering, my traditional barbering. And then as you could see, the change and the shift of the way that people wanted their hair, they wanted their hair a lot tighter and closer on the sides. And the people that were doing it best were like across the Atlantic in, in America and in South America, that Afro-inspired way of fading hair. We had to keep things progressing and we had to keep things evolving by making sure that we introduced these techniques, even in European hairstyles and European people um, to keep up with the times and a lot of times that we did hear that people would go to one barbershop for their clipper work and then another barbershop for their hair cut throughout the top now it just made sense to make sure that you had the full skill set to become the hybrid of someone who just doesn't just do one thing who does everything a one-stop shop for anybody to come into your your salon and be accepted as a client, doesn't matter what age they are, or what gender, or what race, 
anything as soon as someone walks through your door they are a client and that is just something that I adopted from a very very early early age I always remember kind of like my first female clients and I did find it difficult at first because the hair is different the heads are different the skin is different but I relished in the challenge I really really enjoyed the kind of how it made me feel afterwards there's nothing better than stepping out of your comfort zone and being made to feel like shit this is intimidating shit this is this is tough because it's only in those kind of circumstances that you actually grow now when I go back to the exact same circumstances I enjoy it more and with me it's always the more the better I am at my job the more I enjoy it and the more I enjoy it the more I don't mind being there that's why my work does actually consume me is because I've got to a place where I enjoy everything so people say like how do you manage to travel here and there and everywhere without getting bored or does it not is it not soul destroying and I said like no because I've learned to to occupy my mind I've earned, earned learned to occupy myself to the point where I enjoy it so every aspect of my work now I make sure that I make it more attractive to me so I enjoy it a lot more so I don't mind doing it so that's going off topic and I want to just go back again to the timeline we opened our first shop, myself and Reese Ruger, uh, and it was it got to the point at Stephen Kane where I was stepping on toes, and there's nothing worse than stepping on the toes of your boss. It was their shop, their rules. They wanted me to cut hair their way. I wanted to experiment. I wanted to try new things, and I was doing things in different orders. I was not speaking to the clients any differently. It was just the haircuts. I was becoming experimental. And the guys were just very much set in their ways. They didn't want to fix something that wasn't broken, which was amazing for them because the guys have been were there for a long time. They're still there now and they'll be there for a long time after doing what they do to a very, very high standard. But I was always that little bit of a rogue. And <clears throat> I just felt to the point where I was becoming a little bit uncomfortable in the shop and I was upsetting people and it was time to move on. It was time to progress. It was time to move forward. So we looked and looked and looked and we found a premises. And that's when we had the idea of naming the shop Ruger. Now, we get asked a lot where the, the name Ruger came from. And Ruger was a dog. Now, anyone that follows us online will know full well that we have an affinity for dogs. Um, they are amazing creatures. Why would you not love a dog? Bill Murray once said, I don't trust people who don't like dogs but then I trust a dog who doesn't like a person you're just never going to get something that's more loyal and loves you unconditionally and more beautiful than a dog and one of those dogs that we followed online was a Neapolitan bull mastiff that was called Ruger now we didn't know why he was called Ruger where the name comes from but we loved him he was just this massive big excessive skin huge bundle of absolute love and we fell madly in love with him and we watched him grow up for a couple of years then and just overnight the Instagram page went silent and we found out that Ruger had passed away and he was only two years old even though he was an absolute unit he was huge and he had a torsion in his stomach so we just kind of we toyed around with the idea of naming the shop Ruger and then the word just kept getting thrown at us we went snowboarding and there was a guy that we'd kind of that Reese had met and his name was Ruger you look up at the meaning of Ruger and where it comes from and it just all made sense one day I just said to Reese, do you know what we should call the shop and he said 
Ruger and that was it Ruger was born so that was kind of like the origin of the name and the brand and we started off as Ruger Barber now even though that is our brand we wanted Ruger Barber to be under the umbrella of the brand Ruger because then the potentially what we can do with the brand is limitless now the brand is Ruger and obviously under the umbrella of the brand is Ruger Barber which is our barbershop if we want to expand in the future and open up a, a burger place and call it Ruger Burger, then we can do clothing line, obviously our products and anything else that we want to do, we can use that brand name. So that's just that kind of a bit of advice. I think that if anyone's thinking of opening a shop and deciding what to call it, just make sure that it's a brand that's universal and something that you can use not only for a barber shop, but for anything else. It just kind of gives you an, an endless amount of possibilities. So we opened our first shop and you, you watch Homes Under The Hammer and you watch a couple of episodes of 60 Minute Makeover and you think, do you know what? We can do this. So myself and Reese decided to go into the shop, all the tools that we borrowed from our parents and friends and uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Mark, who was a, a builder. And we just decided to go in and rip it out ourselves, which took us about two weeks of tomahawking axes Reese literally running through drywall. Our hands were a mess. We have little girly, soft hairdressing barbering hands. You you hit a hammer around a shop for a full day and let's see how many blisters you've got the day after. But we continued and we took it on and six weeks later we opened our first shop. We started off with myself and Reese and then soonly joined after by Danielle. And we really, really hit the ground running. We absolutely loved every second of it. We opened way too early and we ended up using a mirror from my front room. We ended up using actual construction lights for the lighting, but we were open and we were trading. Uh, we did that and it was about October 2014. And we, we very, very quickly outgrew that shop we started with four chairs there was myself and Reese. we had Danielle Corbett who's obviously still with us who's like a piece of the furniture now she's the size of a piece of the furniture anyway and then we had Jay Murray Jay's fades that came over from Ireland we met Jay and Warren Flynn in uh, Salon International and really really hit it off with the boys I think obviously anyone that's been over to Ireland I think the Irish have a, a very unique kind of personal way of speaking to you very literal and funny great sense of humor people we love the uh, we love the irish i don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't like the irish and we got along with jay really well and we wanted him to to join the team so there was four chairs i had a lot of clients reese had a lot of clients our overspill went to um to jay obviously who was in the brand new area danielle turned up with um already with a clientele and she began, began to get overspill. So we needed an extra chair. Jay was from a brand new place. He, he didn't have, have any clientele at all. So he took on all of our overspill. And then he started actually taking our clients off us because he was that good. And we needed, yeah, we needed a new shop. We needed more chairs. So we left where we were in a little village called Lydgate. And we moved five minutes down the road to an area called Lee's. And that was 2015, like mid-year, maybe like April, May. And we set up again. We started with six chairs and now we have seven in there. And we we wanted a new challenge. We had enough people in the shop. The 
shop was earning enough money to to pay the bills, to pay our wages, to put a little in, away for investment, and just to keep everyone happy. We were enjoying ourselves, most importantly. We were doing shows, we were doing travel, but like anything, you get to that kind of plateau and you want something different, you want a new challenge. I get itchy feet at this, the second of an, an ounce of boredom comes in, I need to change things up. Whether it's a collaboration or a photo shoot, or just doing something that kind of excites or reignites my flame. I have to do something that keeps that passion going, something that keeps me interested in what I'm doing. So we decided to open um, a second shop and we, from a partner, we decided to have a look at an area which was called Lytham, which is over by St. Anne's. The collective area is Lytham, St. Anne's, which is near Blackpool little seaside village and we decided to just go over and have a look and me and Reese went over Reese drove over one night a couple of drinks in and a, and a little bit of a walk around and we were sold it's such a beautiful quaint little place really quiet very affluent um, we wanted a complete new challenge and that's where we met Carly Firth at the time now Carly Cardle and she was on, actually won one of our courses in a barber shop in Blackpool and she was just us she reminded me a lot of Danielle in her mannerisms and her personality. She's great charisma, lovely smile, really, really welcoming, dead warm person. And we decided, you know what, we will, instead of inviting her into the brand from where she is, we'll take the brand to her. So we opened the shop in Lytham, which was really, really difficult because it meant going over and trying to keep the cost down of the work, going over and painting and chiseling away at walls and doing everything you can imagine to get the shop ready after work finishing work at six o'clock and then driving over there which was an hour away 60 miles away driving over to Lytham from Manchester and then working from seven till 12 o'clock maybe in the evening and doing that a couple of times a week was really really difficult but it was worth it we created this beautiful little shop it's very very in keeping with the brand um clinically white led lighting and um, black chairs, just plain, simple, minimalistic. And it's exactly how we wanted it. Uh, that was about March 2017. Um, so yeah, like I said before, we've we continued to do shows, we continue to do our travel and education. And that kind of like brings us up where we are up to date now, really. So as we go through the podcast series, I'm going to elaborate on previous experiences and again, delve a lot more into the history and just obviously, I'm. this is so new to me and I know that listening to it back, I'm going to be mortified when I hear my own voice. But I'm hoping that I can create some motivation and some inspiration for everyone. So this was my first podcast and this was just my kind of introduction as to me and a little bit about the history of myself and Ruger. So I want to just say a massive thank you for, you, for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you could... Share on social media outlets. Make sure you leave me a review. Leave me a comment and I will greatly, greatly appreciate it. Please let me know if there's anything that you want to talk about or any topics that you want me to cover. Again, drop me a DM. Send me a message on Facebook, on Instagram or leave it in the comments below.